Hello and welcome to this. Uh, it's a very special mini episode of Into the Aether. Uh, my name is Brendan Bigley and I'm joined by Christian Spicer. Hello. I don't know if this could even be a, a you can even put the name on this episode because I feel bad, you know, being here and taking, uh, you know, even part of that name of the incredible show that you all that you and Steven oh. have built. So this is just a mini. I'm happy just calling it a mini, you know. Uh, yeah, uh, we can call it a mini. For, well, thank you so much for saying that. I will <laughs> say I'll say at the top, like, I don't think Into the Aether would exist without DLC, uh, your video game podcast. So so thank you so much for uh, existing and having had that show for over 10 years. <laughs> We're in, I think, yeah, I think we're in year 10 or something like that. That's um, unreal. Yeah. I like that as just a compliment to somebody. That should be a new hello. Thank you for existing. Thank you for existing. Like, that yeah. felt really good. I'm not going to lie. That felt really, thank you for existing. Yeah. I mean, there there are like pages and pages and pages, books and books and books of people lamenting existing. But I think uh, we could <laughs> we could reclaim existing. We could bring that back. <laughs> I, I brought you on today, uh, A, because we were originally going to skip this week. Um, Stephen is under the weather, but I was I was on a walk this morning and I was listening to your show and you were talking about Immortals of Avium, which is a game I was planning on surprising Stephen with. I, my, the plan for this week's episode initially before we had to cancel was I was going to tell him that I had played an exciting new release. Ooh, uh, which I, I thought that he was uh, the plan was that he was probably going to assume that was Armored Core 6, but was in fact <laughs> Immortals of Avium, a game that I think is flying completely under the radar. Came out, I think, maybe arguably at the worst possible time. Um, because we are right after Baldur's Gate 3, right before Baldur's Gate 3 on console, and also right before Starfield on Xbox and PC and Game Pass in general. I mean, it's a rough it's a rough time to launch a huge new AAA IP. Um, and that's kind of why I wanted to check it out initially. Like that, I think that was the the impetus for me wanting to jump in was like, this is this game is so weird. I feel like they would show it at, you know, E3 adjacent kind of events for the past like year or two. And every single time people are like, what is this thing? Yeah, we get it. You listened to Blink-182 before Cheshire Cat even came out. <laughs> like you're the you're the cool kid, you know, like, yeah, I understand. No, Immortals of Avium. I played that between Baldur's Gate and Starfields. OK, Bro. so <laughs> I got that. I got that before it was a PS Plus essential. OK, I don't know if it's going to be, but no, it, cool. I mean, uh, strong. It's vibes. got that energy, right? Like it's definitely going to be on EA Play. Is that the thing that they have? EA Play? Is that what it's called? Yay. Some. Yeah, I don't know. It's part of I don't know. I, I can't keep track, to be honest. I subscribe yeah. to too many of them, but I cannot keep track of their names. Yeah, it's really helpful that some of them are built into Game Pass. I mean, that's like, yeah, that, that's a godsend. Uh, but you have been playing this game also from what I gather based on your episode of the show which people should go listen to um you have played a lot more of it than i have i am i think as far as i can tell i think within the first like four or five hours of the game so i've seen like the setup i have made it past some of the like initiation stuff mm -hmm. um but i i think you and i share a lot of a lot of uh critiques of the game but i think you and i are also both excited about the prospect of it uh so if you haven't heard of immortals of avian which is very possible dear listener I, i'll just like give you the quick pitch which is uh, Ascension Studios, right? Yeah, Ascendant Studios. Ascendant Studios, yes. A new team spun up at EA. It's EA's uh, return to them trying to make more original games, similar to like the era of Dead Space when Dead Space first came out, and they were like throwing a bunch of new IPs against the wall to see what stuck. Um, and I feel like that era kind of came and went for them. They ended up, I 
think maybe learning the wrong lessons from that and then just kind of went all into the IP they already had, just pumping out Battlefield after Battlefield after Battlefield. Uh, that was when they got the Star Wars license also. It just like went hard on Star Wars stuff for a while. But it seems like they're back in this period of trying to create new mainstay franchises, which I feel like is a thing that doesn't happen a whole lot from huge publishers like EA. So that by itself is exciting to me. The The quick pitch for Immortals of Avium is um, it's a big AAA first person shooter, quote unquote, where instead of guns, you have magic. Uh, it's in this huge, almost like high fantasy world where there's an ever war that's been going on forever. And uh, you play as a character named Jack, spelled J-A-K, just like Jack and Daxter, who uh, is a master of three different kinds of magics, red, green, and blue, which they're just named red, green, and blue. It's so funny that this game has like terminology, like almost like, uh, I think I think Jeff was saying on your show, almost kind of like narrative fantasy novel-esque terminology yeah. for like everything that happens in the game except for the magic. It's just called red, green, and blue magic. Love that. But anyway, he can master all three magics uh, and you make your way into the Ever War by becoming one of the quote-unquote immortals of Avium, which are like, I don't know, magic not marines. Not actually immortal. Yeah, not, yeah. Not and immortal. also not immortal. Not, yes. not immortal. Um, but that's the pitch. You, yeah. You've been playing a bunch of it. I'm curious just like high level what are your takes how do you feel about immortals of avium as like an idea and as a video game well uh one thing and then i have a question for you one i I think it is ascendant studios who are the developer and i think it's an ea original which is ea kind of dipping their toe back into this it's not ea being like we are making this game it's like let us you know, champion you, other person who took on the risk, and, ah, <laughs> and made okay. this. we will be your publisher and you know shout you from from the rooftops. But I don't yeah. think it's EA proper being like, you know, wholly owned studio. Let us go make this this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, my question to you, because much like your show on DLC and in general with how I approach games, I like to try to celebrate games and yeah, not totally. be like, here's why things suck. Um, but I do have some nits with Immortals of Avium. So would you like to start with my few nits and then we can move past that and get to the celebration or start with the celebration and then be like, P.S., here's what I didn't like. That's a good question. I think let's start. Let's start with the celebration because I think there is a lot to like about this game. I uh, yeah, let's let's start with that. Yeah, totally. So it is a new first person single player IP. I think that alone should be, you know, recolored from the highest hill wherever you can shout it out and just yes. celebrate that this is not a games of service game that's meant to microtransaction you to death without you knowing it. It doesn't right. have season pass tiers, one free, one paid. And I, I love a lot of those games, but it is refreshing to have this game not be that. It is mm. not an open world game. It is not a Souls-like. It is not a Breath of the Wild-like. It is not, you know, it is not the blueprint of a lot of new games we're seeing. And I think yeah. anytime we see a studio come out swinging, trying to make a big thing that is new and different than a lot of other things being made today, I think that is awesome. And it is a fantasy shooter, which I think is awesome as well. Like it is a world that feels fully lived in and developed. I think I said on DLC that while they have not announced transmedia aspirations for the IP, the 
story bible for this game feels like it was built in such a way that it could support it like there's a cast of characters where i would totally watch the disney plus tv show about you know so and so or i would you know i want the paramount plus prequel story of yellowstone 1942 or you know what i guess 42 <laughs> would be the barely a prequel but you know like yes there's a world that exists for all of that stuff that i think is really cool all the way down to when they're out in battlefield the uh, characters you'll talk to like your commander via uh, like it's like a floating emerald mm. that like and you you pick it up you have it on your body and you pick it up and you hold it for a second and then you float it because you have magic and there's a person's face in the crystal and that's how you're interacting with people and it just feels cool it's not yeah you know the gears of war established the i'm um, holding my earpiece walking and talking and so many other games leaned into that or the you know the star wars character on your shoulder jack and daxter i guess did it before star wars games did it but you know you have the companion character that that's who you're talking to the person on screen that's helping you to go get things and this game isn't doing those tropes but it's finding a way to still have that banter between characters in a way that is really cool and then i think this game is worth celebrating because it is a shooter that doesn't just copy call of duty's controls like it mm. tries to do something new with how it has you use your powers with what right trigger does versus left bumper and, and how you actually physically interact with the game feels refreshing and for me helped me connect with the character in a way that made it feel like i was doing magic and not just doing a representation of shooting you know yes. where it's like i'm aiming down the scope this is my sniper blue is sniper green is uh smg yeah and like yes those are true but i feel like the variations in control made it feel engaging and and fun in a way that i think because it was new as i learned all the mechanics and upgraded my abilities I also had that feeling of playing Guitar Hero on hard for the first time <laughs> of like, oh, I'm doing it, dad. I'm doing yes. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the like really, really palpable feeling of getting better at something. I remember I had a, I had a stomach yeah. virus in high school. I th Yeah, it was in high school when Guitar Hero 3 came out. The one stomach virus you ever had. You remember the day? Like, yeah, <laughs> I, well, I, I will always remember this one. Uh, it fam famously, my entire family had the same stomach virus the same week. Uh, we all got it uh, at Thanksgiving. And uh, I was home for a week with the stomach virus. It like really stuck around and Guitar Hero 3 came out that like same day. And I nice. just spent the entire week playing Guitar Hero 3. And by the end of that week, I was playing on expert mode. And it was so that's like that's weirdly the experience I always think about whenever I consider like, oh, yeah, video game. Like you can sometimes actually feel yourself getting better at a video game. And now I understand <laughs> because of that Guitar Hero 3 stomach virus experience, I get why people are playing Street Fighter 6. I get why my friends and our like side discord chat are like constantly posting that they're getting better. It's why I play Marvel Snap still all the time. <laughs> Uh, and <laughs> still trying to climb to infinite, which I did. Thank you very much. But anyway, yes, I, I do feel that a little bit in, in AVM. Uh, specifically, the combat feels amazing, which I think is the thing I'm most surprised by, right? Like, not only are they going after kind of an interesting side angle to the first person shooter with this magic system. And, and I think you're right in pointing out like, yes, there is a little bit of like a, well, they've just replaced some of the guns with magic in some cases, right? Like, as you said, blue is sniper, green is an SMG, red is a shotgun, but you have all these extra abilities. Like instead of uh, what was it? The left bumper uh, allows you to, uh, 
throw up this like big magic shield that looks like very Doctor Strange, which will block projectiles from attack from hitting you. Um, you can switch what the left trigger does. In some cases, uh, you can throw like this kind of green orb that will stick to enemies and slow them down. And the more of them you hit them with, the slower they'll get to the point where if you have like a large enemy who is kind of like bullet spongy for lack of a magic spongy, uh, for, <laughs> I guess, um, you can hit them with enough of those like little green orb thingies to just freeze them in place and then just walk up to them with your like red shotgun and just hit them over and over and over again in, in cases where, you know, there are a lot of enemies swarming around you. You have these like kind of big area of effect magic attacks that feel really really sweet to pull off like some of that stuff just feels so kinetic and so fun i think i think on your show you brought up that it feels a little bit destiny adjacent which Mm -hmm. i am totally with you on that like destiny is i think the highest praise uh i've ever given to a first person shooter in in a lot of elements but i think just like its gunplay feels unmatched still um that's a game i have played like literally over a thousand hours of and and the fact that immortals of avium like really feels like destiny in that way i think is really shocking considering you know this is you know a new team trying something new that doesn't even technically have guns in it yeah um, it's it's really impressive to feel that locked mechanically it's it's really it's really stunning yeah you always feel like you have options which i feel like destiny does a really good job of versus something like redfall which i thought had a bunch of mm. great ideas but in combat, more often than not, it felt like your options were shoot or run backwards. Yes. Even if you had powers, they didn't feel empowering. Yeah. And Destiny, you know, among the classes, as similar as they all might be, even though as the seasons and expansions have yeah. diverged them some, but you always have options in how you approach something. And whether that is through your jump or your dash or your, your ability or the different guns that you've kind of built up, you feel like you are in control of the battlefield in a really fun and exciting way where every challenge is an opportunity, a strategic opportunity into how best to unlock it. And Immortals of Avium, I think, does a lot of that as well. And some of it is, is you know, very much written out and you have to engage in it that way. Oh, this character has a red shield, so I have to use my right. red spells to take down the red shield. But still, with those movement abilities, and when you pull up your shield, you are you're slower, which is... I think Mm -hmm. really interesting in terms of a risk reward. And then the idea of your secondary magic, be it uh, the green blobs, which I had the name for and they just flew out of my head or your tether or. um, Oh yeah. You have a whip that you can use to just grab smaller enemies and bring them towards you, which like the the whip to, to red shotgun blast combo is like one of the most satisfying experiences of the year. Very rewarding. And you get a few others as well. You can stun and deflect and do do different things. And so even in the most basic scenario where I have to use a red power to take down this red enemy shield to then take down this enemy, you have enough other tricks up your sleeve that make it feel fun and engaging and like you're always doing something versus, okay, I'm going to left trigger. I'm going to right trigger. I'm going to grenade. My ability's up. I'm going to use my ability. I'm going yeah. to left trigger. I'm going to right trigger. I'm going to use my grenade. My ability's <laughs> mm-hmm. up. I use my ability. And so I really, I really appreciate the thought put into how these kill boxes are played out. And it's something that could just be very standard and rote, feels exciting. And every time I got to a new, like, you know, you walk into a new area and we played enough video games, you recognize these environmental areas. And it's like, oh, 
Yes. I know what's going to happen in here. This is going to be yeah. great. I've been replaying the Uncharted games recently, and uh, Uncharted 1 has some of the funniest moments of that. I don't know if you if you remember from Uncharted 1, but like one of the first tombs you raid, quote unquote, you're making your way through the tomb. Technically, nobody has ever been in this tomb before. So you're making your way through it. And as you're going through, you can see all of the all of the blocks that you're going to be hiding behind when you need to escape the other way. Yeah. Uh, so funny. So fun. I love that stuff. Yes. Yeah. And so I think Immortals does a lot of that really well and makes the combat fun. I think it was, you know, Bungie way back when with Halo kind of popularized the idea of five seconds of fun and mm-hmm. making that repeatable. And I think that's the thing that Immortals does the best is that it, it makes that basic core combat loop rewarding and engaging and then it has all the other stuff that is fun too you can change up your spells a little bit yes green is always going to be the machine gun style thing but there are different types uh homing versus spread versus a more focused attack and you can kind of dial in your character things we've seen in games a million times upgrading your gear this ring gives you a health buff this thing gives you a you know, attack buff for your red magic. This recharges your your blue magic special faster. All that stuff that plays into it, that is, I think, the carrot on the stick or the dopamine hit. But at the end of the day, if that core combat loop isn't fun, then I'd just wait for the book to come out so I could live in this world. But because the core <laughs> combat loop is fun, it, it makes playing the game a joy. And then I love and, and seeing the lore, seeing the lore in the world played out on screen i think is really interesting and there's some stuff i wish they did more of and some that um i think they do too much but there's like this whole other i'm gonna i'll be vague because the story does it does some trite stuff but also some interesting twists that i wouldn't want to spoil for folks Mm. when they when they play it but there's like this whole other realm you end up in that also exists and everyone knows exists and the way those levels play out very much reminded me of control in some ways where like the landscape is changing and you're kind of forced to navigate in this sentient you know environment right it's, it's just cool it, it constantly cool and i agree with you that it is a bummer but i don't know when it does come out i was gonna say it's a bummer when it released but i mean is october better is november better yeah you know wasn't resident evil 4 february i don't know when I don't yeah know when i, th- games I come think out anymore 2023 was a bad time for this game <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. like 2023 is just such an unprecedented year i think uh, in terms of in terms of game releases, yeah. Just to touch on the the story stuff real quick, I I'm kind of blown away at the confidence this game has in its own lore and its own story. I, I think you know if you've seen the the trailers via something like Summer Games Fest or whatever, you've probably seen a lot of the the actual dialogue, and it's a little bit like, well, that happened. You know, it's like a little bit you know that kind of like tongue in cheek vibe. But amidst all of that, are characters who really do. Feel feel like they believe in the stakes of the world, you know, like mm. they, they, they truly are people who would exist in this space. You know, Jack, I think love him or hate him as a character, you know, the, the way he's written. I, I do think he feels like a believable character in this world because he knows the, the risks and he knows he knows the, uh, the, the stakes of, of what's going on with this ever war. Um, or at least he thinks he does, you know, you know when, I, when do you think it was labeled the ever war? Like after year 10? Was it called like the 10 year war? And they're like, uh, it's now the 11 year now war. Now it's and the 11 year war. Like, <laughs> oh, at, at a certain point, you're like, well, we got to stop renaming the war. <laughs> I mean, my 10 year war merch is super outdated. Like no one's wearing uh, yeah. their 10 year war shirts anymore. We got to. Yeah, but it's a collectible and people are going to buy it on eBay eventually. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 
I think when this game first started and it starts hitting you with all of that lore, it starts talking about ley lines and it talks about the Everwar and it talks about the different factions. You know, it almost has a little bit of like like an old school RPG kind of story, uh, like almost like a Final Fantasy, you know, trying to hit you with every piece of lore uh, right at the top. I think like Final Fantasy 16 is actually maybe a good kind of uh, comparison point for this because Final Fantasy 16, instead of having uh, the active time battle system, the ATB system has the ATL system the active time lore system which allows you to to press the the what is it the touchscreen pad or like the touchpad on the ps5 controller and it brings up literally every character who's on screen almost like that <laughs> yeah. amazon x-ray thing that yeah. you could do um and will tell you like okay here are all the different factions here's the place that you are right now here's how all of these people relate to all this other stuff immortals of avium is also trying to do something similar i think just in terms of its exposition and i was expecting to get turned off by that because it reminds me a little bit of dune in like Dune just throws you right in. You know, if you've mm. ever read Dune, it's the most common complaint, most common criticism of that book is like, they do not care at all if you get it. They just want you to live <laughs> in the world immediately. Yeah. And over time through context clues, almost like learning a language by immersing yourself in another place, you just eventually like maybe a third or two thirds of the way through Dune, you're like, oh my God, I understand it now. And you go back and read it again for the second time. And you're like, wow, this all makes sense. When did that happen? <laughs> you don't even know when the switch flipped. Immortals of Avium, I found a similar thing. Not that it's like on the same level as dune obviously but like i felt a similar thing with immortals of avium where in the beginning you know I, i'm watching these cutscenes, they're explaining all this stuff to me gina torres is in the game and it's great and you know she comes out and just like hits you with all of the stuff about the Everwar and why it's so important to become one of the immortals and whatever whatever and i was like man this is a lot this is a lot of information and then i found myself you know, after after you are initiated into the immortals and stuff and you're like out on your first like real missions and stuff and i was like i i get it now like it's all clicked for me. Like the word, the they have so much confidence in in the fantasy realm that they've devised, and I do think it actually does kind of twist some general fantasy tropes in ways that make it more interesting than I was expecting. I mm -hmm. think I think it is like a legitimately compelling space to be in. And one of those things I, I think that aids it specifically is even though it's not an open world, they do also kind of like Final Fantasy 16 have some open zones where like yeah. you have to make your way from point A to point B. Like your your quest, your mission, whatever is to go to talk to this person who's like way far away. Cool. I'm going to do that. Along the way, a lot of puzzles, like a lot of environmental puzzles you can find there are like little hidden dungeons a la Jedi Survivor that you can jump into mm -hmm. and, and jump around and just like, you know, try some fun uh, platforming, almost Super Mario Sunshine-esque spaces that you can just like see if you can make, you know, your uh, double jump into your glide kind of work out for you uh, in, in some really tough challenges and, you know, side quests and stuff. And I'm, I'm just like really impressed by all of that. I just think that's all been I just think that's all been like working for me in a way that I wasn't expecting. I, I think to get into nits a little bit, the one thing that really is holding the game back for me is kind of some of the video gaminess of some of it. Like, sure. I, I don't feel the need to have all this gear that's leveling up like an Assassin's Creed game. Like even Ubisoft at this point is like, hey, we're going to kind of steer away from that. I don't think that worked or like aided Assassin's Creed that much. I'm feeling that a little bit here where it's like, okay, you're giving me all these different bracers. I don't really know how much I need the 0.5% boost to my blue magic. You know, like, I, I don't know if that's adding that much. But uh, for the most part, I, ju I just think the game is like pretty good. I just think it's a pretty good video game. And I think it maybe it had come out in March. It would like have hit better. But uh, March, as you said, March 2019. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, 
I forget, maybe it was Ratchet and Clank where the PC version of that just came out. And I described yes. Ratchet of Clank, Ratchet and Clank on PS5 this way, and also the PC port, which is a great port by Nixus. It knocked another one out of the park. Ratchet and Clank is a video game ass video game. Yeah. And Immortals of Avium is also that. But what I find, I don't know if it's compelling or if it works with it or against it, but it's also built in this world where I would read the fantasy book of it. And Ratchet and Clank, I'm not dying to read the fantasy book of it. I, I love the world. I love the characters. I love playing those games, but I'm like fun thing where I go do these things and break all these boxes. And Immortals of Avium creates enough of an interesting world that I would like to find a way to live in it more and longer. But yeah, it's, it's also is very much a video game as video game where it's like, oh, Jack, you're not strong enough for that mission yet. Well, how do I get stronger? There's a totem right outside the gate. <laughs> touch it and it gives you power well why didn't i can people just touch this totem yeah, anyone can a, go do this <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh brendan on your way to best buy today you'll need to touch the totem of give you money yeah anyone can use it and when you touch it you'll get money you get a hundred thousand dollars yeah <laughs> then then go buy the oled you must buy and it's like you know, again, as a video game, it's great and it's fun. And it's, you have to go do this thing to get this thing. But it's a video game. And I think because of that, as long as you're willing to disconnect those two, I think it's really it's really fun. My, my two chief nits about the game, one is on a tech level. It is an Unreal 5.1 game. And I love all of that stuff. I, I love what Unreal 5.1 can allegedly do. And yes. I love that Matrix demo. I think Fortnite, after they've upgraded the engine, I mean, Fortnite was always incredibly well art designed, but after they yeah. put Unreal 5 into that, it showed what that engine could be and how incredible it could be. Yeah, and Remnant 2 also. Have you played Remnant 2 yet? I have not played Remnant 2. Is it also Unreal 5? It is. Yeah, great showcase for Unreal 5. I think it has, um, what is it? There, there's the two the two big technologies in Unreal 5. One of them is Nanite and one of them is Lumen. I don't think it yeah. has Lumen, but it has okay. Nanite. Okay. Yeah. And this is the and first so, that has everything. Yeah. It's yeah. 5.1. Yeah. And it has all of that stuff. And I really respect that, but I'm playing it on PS5 and it uses um, FSR to up res yes. the image quality. I think the native is 720 and it's up resing it to 4K. 4K. Yeah. <laughs> and it maintains a pretty consistent 60 frames per second, but nothing looks as crisp or as clear as Horizon or God yeah. of War or Last of Us Part 1 or some of these first-party Sony games. And so I, I think it's cool that this tech is in there. I'm a tech guy. I like seeing new tech. I like seeing new tech in games. I like seeing people. Use, I love ray tracing. I thought mm -hmm. Troll was incredible and justified owning an RTX card in a lot of ways on, on PC. And I, I don't know if Immortals is better because of that tech or not. Mm. Like, I, I don't know what it would be like if it used Unreal 4 and was the best version of that game and had a crisper screen. Everything just looks a little fuzzy and, and a little blurry. Yeah. There's a, there's that, like, really, I think, telltale sign that a game is using FSR uh, to, to get uh, really technical about it. But there's there's that telltale sign where, like, you can see almost kind of the, the checkerboarding of, mm. of elements that kind of appear and disappear. And the one that I always see, like, I can't, once I noticed it, I can't unsee it, is every time you switch 
yeah, your magic gauntlet. power. Yeah. You have this gauntlet. Yeah, exactly. You have this gauntlet that's in front of the camera at all times. If you see any footage of the game, that's like how you're casting all your spells. And every time you switch your magic color, the gauntlet changes to a new shape. And every time that happens, it looks it looks so much like kind of like a checkerboarded pattern from upscaling. Uh, it's really it's really bizarre. And then once that clicked for me, that was when I started. No- I'm not a person who really notices this stuff, to be clear. But like once I noticed that, I started seeing it everywhere you know like the, the grass line the trees for me the ley like, lines yes the ley lines are kind of this uh like aurora borealis looking thing but they're th- you know the three colors for the three different magics and they're just kind of existing like weaving in and out around mountains they kind of just look like floating rivers in the sky um and in the background they look so bizarre sometimes i'm playing on series x uh so okay. I, I, i've been having kind of a similar experience to you uh where like yes it's 4k but you know i switch over to something like Halo, for example, also running a 4K. Um, and it's like the difference is night and day at times. Yeah, or Gears 5 or yeah. know, Forza Horizon, some of those Xbox showcase games that yeah. I think have a crisper image. And then the other one, and this is just for me, this is a Miles, Miles, Miles Morales may vary. Um, <laughs> your your Miles may vary. He might uh, be in a Spider-Verse. Um, no, your, your mileage <laughs> might vary on, on this. This is a very much a personal thing. Yeah. But I find the actual delivery of the story, the way it was written, Mm. to be too far on that scale of MCU memed dialogue. And I don't think that'll be the case for everybody. But for me, Jack is a little too flippant, a little too Johnny B. Cool in every moment and entitled. And he meets some of the other characters he meet also don't talk the way I think you would talk. It, It feels like you're sitting at lunch at high school at the cool kids improv table if that makes sense <laughs> where it's like oh everybody's got a riff we got a tag we got a joke you got a thing yes. you gotta you're the coolest i'm the coolest put on my letter jacket put on my shades let's go yeah and that lessens the experience for me because i think so much of the world otherwise is very cool and i found as i continued through the game i i'm rarely this guy but i wished i could have skipped cutscenes. Mm. i just found it to be grating i wanted to get back into that cool combat loop and instead i had to listen to you know, dope boys talk about swag things. And yeah. I was like, I, this is not connecting for me. Yeah, it, it has. Um, I, I mean, there, there are shades of Forspoken here, which I think mm-hmm. is a comparison a lot of people are making. Forspoken, uh, Austin Walker, who's, you know, great, uh, wrote a, a great piece for his blog. I think it was just on his blog, uh, which is specifically about Forspoken and the reasons why that game like probably didn't hit for a lot of people. And, and chief among them being that the protagonist that you're playing as in that game kind of has that like, you know, quippy MCUification of dialogue going on. And specifically, the thing that doesn't track is that nobody else in the game has that dialogue at all. It's Mm. like kind of just her because she's, you know, literally like fish out of water kind of storytelling. It's a person from our world who gets transported into a fantasy realm. And she's kind of like, dunking on the world right like the protagonist doesn't believe in the danger of the world Mm -hmm. and therefore the player also won't right like it's just kind of not a great way to deliver story and i find that this game comes and goes like sticks a foot into that realm and then comes back every once in a while where sometimes you have moments where like because of that flippancy you almost feel like the world is more lived in, right? Like some of these people, because they've, you know, grown up in a world where the ever war has already been going on for a thousand plus years or whatever. That's just the way of life for them. And you kind of feel, you know, that that their uh that their jokes about the ever war are things that would probably happen in real life had it been going on for that long. On the flip side of that, you have moments where, for example, the one of the more recent ones for me is Jack going through 
the tests you need to take to become one of the quote-unquote immortals of Avium mm-hmm. and meets all of these characters who are going to be his mentors through this experience, one of whom gives a speech that's like, hey, there are like 30 possible recruits for this test. And if you die in here, you're dead for real. And not only are you dead, but we're going to... I think if I recall correctly, they erase you from existence entirely. So people like won't even have remembered that you ever existed. And Jack is like, cool, great, let's do it. Like no, no introspection at all into that. No, no questioning of like, hey, this is intense, even for this world where there is a quote unquote ever war, like no question at all about that. But then you have moments where, you know, they're introducing the main villain of the game Uh or the person uh, who I, I think at least at the moment is the main villain of the game or the ways in which they talk about him hours beforehand, like early early on in the game where you're like, oh yeah, that, you know, this guy's been around for a long time and he's, he's fucked up. He's, he's not a good dude. You don't want to mess with him. That kind of stuff I think really does settle me into the world. So you, I, I find I've been going back and forth. I don't really have like a, a, a real firm grasp on, on where this game is coming from in terms of how seriously it's taking the things that are happening in the world. Because Jack is, I feel like, not the right protagonist to tell this story from in a lot of mm. perspectives. It almost makes me wish he was like silent protagonist because every once in a while they, they let you choose the dialogue. Yeah. Like they let you choose his responses. And I'm like, just do that for everything. Maybe that maybe that would have been the move. And this is not not to dunk at all on on the performance of the guy playing Jack, uh, Darren Burnett. I, I think he does a great job with the line that he's been given yes like he he is good at this role but I, I just wonder if there was a better way to deliver that story i think you're right about that it's also worth mentioning this is a thing that I, I can't believe i didn't bring up earlier but the guy who wrote a lot of the lore of this game and wrote the story for this game is a guy by the name of uh michael kirkbride who also worked at bethesda and is the person who was like instrumental in creating all of the lore of the elder scrolls games oh, like yeah. he's the guy who wrote like all the books that you read in Morrowind and Oblivion, all of that stuff, which, you know, if you have an Oblivion connection, I'm going to, I'm going to find something to love, Uh, which (laughs) it's just funny that I started playing this game. I was like, man, some of this like lore is really working for me, really, really clicking. And then I looked up who wrote it. I was like, oh, okay, there you go. That makes sense. Yeah. I I feel like, and I don't know if this would be a, a blanket solve for me, but I feel like, you know, when Jack meets some of the other immortals, just the characters in general, I feel like some of them need to be 50. Like, (laughs) yes. And and again, this is this I I'm I'm in my 40s. I'm in my 40s. So I'm bringing old guy energy here. And I apologize to that. But oh, man, you know, speaking my truth, this game, maybe this is this is the flip. This is a switch I need to flip. This game isn't quite full CW. And it's not quite Mm first run MCU either. And that is hard to do. Both of those are hard. This is a yeah. tight rope. It is not easy to do. I'm not saying that I could do better. Like, me, let me fix it. I'm, I'm not suggesting that. <laughs> um, and I hate right. like, you know, poo-pooing somebody who took a heck of a swing, you know, went up, called totally. a shot and tried to hit a grand slam. But like the Arrowverse shows and Riverdale, rest in peace, like those shows are such a thing. You know, mm-hmm. starting with like every character's perfectly sculpted eyebrows yes. down to their six pack. And it wears it on its sleeve as a point of pride. And it's totally. like by episode three, we've all slept with each other. and <laughs> We still have more story to tell, you know, like ooh, beautiful <laughs> chef's kiss. Love it. Yeah. And that first run MCU was so fresh in this way of like speaking common vernacular and and being like of the people and and like Mm -hmm. representing the culture in which it was created in in such a wonderful way and so many of the other immortals and immortals of avium feel like 20 year olds also then not quite nailing that 
speaking the mm-hmm. culture of the world. And so it's not quite full CW versus like if this was Liam Neeson and Tom Cruise and, <laughs> uh, you know, Regina King and, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. some of these characters, I'd be like, oh, yeah, they've, you know, they've seen some stuff. Seen and some instead, stuff. It's, it's not quite that yet either. So it feels like too young, too like dank, <laughs> if mm-hmm. that's the right way to put it. No, I know. Um, I know what you mean. Yeah. I, I feel like um, the best moment of the game I've experienced so far in terms of Jack's writing that I think like nails exactly what you're talking about is is the moment when he's inducted into the Immortals. Spoilers, you become one of the Immortals of Avium. Uh, <laughs> would you believe it? Uh, when he's inducted into the, into the Immortal and Gina Torres is giving this like big speech to everybody, you know, it's like, okay, you know, we're going back out. The Ever War continues, but we may be able to end it. And now we have, you know, another person on our team who's going to help us do it. And then she has Jack give a speech. And he gets up there and he starts to do his kind of shtick. You know, he starts to give his like, yeah, yeah I, I grew up in the slums, but now I'm here. This is going to be great. You know, he's very confident. And then all of that just kind of fades away. And he thinks about this huge wall that they have in one of the the temples, I think, that where the immortals like hang out. Um, and the wall is a constantly updated list of everyone who has died in the Ever War over all of the thousands of years. And he just kind of like centers himself realizes the gravity of what's happening and just says no more names no more names added to that list and that's when gina tor is like hell yeah that's that's the guy we wanted on the team <laughs> and me too that was the mo- i was like oh shit that was a good line wait a second wait yeah. a second the writing is there and i feel like that moment encapsulates everything that you and i want out of this game i feel like that's the switch yeah 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 and that's the thing that again these are nits and i think some people totally. will totally be okay with it and some people maybe don't put as much in story or in tone or whatever and there is so much right in this game that I, I think if you love shooters and you love fantasy and you're willing to get lost in a game i loved hearing you talk about shenmue on the dreamcast mm-hmm. episode where it's like you know meet the game where it is and and let it wash over you and and live in that world yeah and immortals of avium does a lot of really great stuff and i hope more people check it out if not now you know keep an eye on it for later because it's, it's yeah. worth living in that world for a bit I think so, too. Yeah, I, I think this is one of those games where, like, I, I, I hate to do this, but I think I will in this case, because it's it's already a game that's I, I think it's at like 21 in, in the in the sales from the past week or something, which is, you know, not a, not a great debut. But this is a game where, like, check it out if it's on sale when they add it to Game Pass or something. Definitely check it out. Like, I, I think I think most people would have a better time with this game than they thought they would. I, I think, you know watching some of those trailers at like summer games fest and stuff i was like this is definitely not for me and now that i've been playing it i'm kind of surprised you know when i turn on my xbox and i get to choose between this and armored core 6 i'm like going to immortals of avium which is surprising and maybe that says something about how armored core 6 is clicking with me stay tuned for future episode maybe about that um what a tease yeah oh yeah keep listening to this podcast (laughs) um but uh yeah immortals of avium it's interesting because like you know, this is EA we're talking about. You know, this is like this is not like a company that like super needs our help to promote a video game. But I, I'm more I'm more, I think, passionate about the fact that this is like a smaller team within EA that is making a game that is, as you said, a huge, huge swing, you know, like trying to create a new IP and having that kind of confidence in it and having the confidence in the narrative and in the story and in the lore itself, I think, speaks to just a lot of passion over there um, at, at Ascendant Studios. So shout out to them. Yeah, they did it. Well, that sounds like it wraps it up. Hey, question for you. Is there anything else you want to shout out? 
while we're here, any other games you're playing that you you want to you want to uh, throw on a pedestal? I mean, you guys have done such a good job highlighting old games, so I, I feel like I feel weird shouting out old games. But no, please, this is the place to do it. Just don't don't forget that there are old games. <laughs> I know, even on on DLC, we are often talking about the new games that we're playing and yes. new games that are coming. That's what I love about your show so much is that a lot of it isn't necessarily in the media cycle. But not every old game will connect with people, but there are some beautiful, beautiful games that came out on systems before you were born. And they're not all worth experiencing, but but many of them are. Mm. And I think taking time to meet those games and give them an honest shake in a world full of subscriptions. And it's so easy to be like, played five minutes, hated it. Played five minutes, hated it. Played five mm. minutes, hated it. And, and to really sit down and live with the game for a little bit is, is very much worth doing. And so I think what I would want to point people toward, as weird as this is, because it's not that old, is the PS3. Just go to the <laughs> PS3 and find yeah. some of those games that are trapped on the PS3 and experience them. Because it mm. is a fascinating time in games. It is just before we kind of go off this cliff of constantly updated, easily patched, season pass, microtransaction. And because the PS3 is such a unique architecture, a lot of those games are still trapped there. Yeah. And so I'm not going to recommend a game per se, but just find a game that is a PS3 game. And it's also tough because they're kind of hard to emulate or to experience other ways. Yeah. But if you can, go go and play some of those games. And I will shout out the Wipeout games. I lied. Um, but <laughs> it's such a beautiful time in gaming. And I think one that often gets overlooked Mm. um, because it's this moment between Sony's dominance as well. Yes. And there are some really, really interesting games that I think represent where we were in a really interesting way and also show where we're going, much like the Dreamcast did. I think it's like we were arcades and now we're home. And what's that transition look like? And how how do we bridge that gap? And I think the PS3 did that in a lot of really interesting ways and if you go back and look at resistance or kill zone or um what was that um had an acronym hawk massively online shooter game oh man oh what um, was that yes it's like an idiot now it's like 60 player and was too early for for what it was oh um, man yeah i know you're was it just about. massive action game i don't remember i'm gonna see if i can find this real quick it was it was mag mag uh mag a massively multiplayer online first-person shooter game developed by Zipper for PlayStation 3. And just, you know, there's a ton of them that are such interesting little games. Um, Heavenly Sword is another game that just kind of only existed in in that era and did a lot of really, really cool things. Lair, you know, motion controls, not great necessarily, but like... (laughs) A swing, move, baby. You know, like a, 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 it was the the six axis. Oh yeah. You know, like anyway, I, I think it's a super interesting uh, era of video games, and it's not quite you know SNES old, mm. and it's also not modern, but it's just this little window um, that I really love. I think that's a great point. Yeah, I, I I've never really considered the PS3 as like a, a Dreamcast adjacent console, but I mean, it's a console that specifically had a really hard time selling because of its cost, right? Until pretty late in its life cycle. I mean, I didn't pick up a PS3 until 
I want to say like six to eight months before the PS4 had come out because they were finally cheap enough for me to get one myself um, and was finally able to play, for example, the Uncharted trilogy for the first time. Yeah. And and games that I, I still love to this day and wish I could revisit, which I can't. Like Tokyo Jungle is like one of the wildest games. Like what a yeah. cool video game that was. That like it's totally not, it's not semen, but it's not not, you know, and yeah. that's what I think it makes it unique is that because of that cell architecture, there are a lot of games that weren't big enough to get the Shadow of the Colossus, which I know is not a PS3 game, but like not to get that full remaster. We need to get this in front of new right. audiences, but do enough interesting stuff that I think are, are worth playing. And it's also fascinating for me to go back and revisit and experience these load times as we're now in this you know whatever it was third generation of disc-based media but mm-hmm. reading off the disc it's i don't know it's it's fascinating i look forward to you all covering it in season 10 you know whenever you get there so <laughs> <laughs> sign yeah. me up yeah, I wonder, uh, may- yeah, maybe by the time we get there, uh, PS3 will be easier to emulate. I've, I've heard that the Steam Deck is like okay with it, but I don't know. Some don't games, know. yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I want to give that a shot yet. Anyway, <laughs> wow, love the impassioned plea for the PlayStation 3. What a fun thing. I'm what a fun guy. way to end this. That's I'm so, that no, I love it. I love it. Um, Christian, thank you so much for, for joining me for this uh, Into the Aether Mini. Dang. Uh, we'll keep, I'm happy we'll to be it. here. And uh, I'm, uh, Steven, feel better because you've listened to this and clearly you were missed so um come back <laughs> uh where can people find you on the internet where do you want people to find you on the internet uh christianspicer.com is my Great. website uh i have links to stuff you can email me directly there i am on threads i think which is christian underscore spicer and then nice. if you like video games dlc is a video game podcast i've been doing with jeff canada you can find that wherever you get them and then i did uh, a show for sony and naughty dog the official The Last of Us podcast that I'm super proud of. It's a great show. Um, I, I love the the folks who worked on that game and uh, the heart and the passion put into it. And I'm really proud of the honesty and openness that we were able to get and capture on that show. So if you like The Last of Us or if you like the creation and production of video games, go listen to that show, but know that it does spoil the crap out of uh, both <laughs> games. <laughs> cool. Shout out to AJ for editing this one last minute. My name is Brendan Bigley. Find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. I'll catch you later, everybody. Bye-bye. PWG, the worst garbage, the online.